So I wish to continue on from the last message where I spoke about how the people of God are, are light in the world of darkness. I want to continue on from that with a reading. I'd like to begin with a reading from the book of Ephesians, the sixth chapter. Now I've been working in Ephesians for quite some time and I've been talking about the armor of God. Uh, so the, this, these two messages go with the armor of God. But I want to point out something about how this darkness has come to be. And I even want to talk about what the darkness is. In Ephesians 6 at verse 10, Paul says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So, in the lead up to talking about the armor of God, he makes it clear that contextually, every aspect of the armor of God is a, a depiction of some facet of the power of God or the strength of the Lord or the might of the Lord. Keep that in mind. Because when he talks, for example, about the shield of faith, that has to do with some fashion, in some fashion it has to do with the power of God, uh, the, the strength of God, the might of God. Right? He says, put on the whole armor of God. Uh, the word for armor is the word panoplia, the panoply, the overarch, the complete. So putting on the whole panoply of God means to clothe yourself with who God is. So when he says be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, uh, strength, power and might uh, how when you're clothed with the panoply of God, you engage the enemy. So whatever the strength, power and might of God is, and however you access that, that constitutes the armor of God. Right? You access it, of course, by being in Christ. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in his mighty power. And it's no wonder that the armor of God is a form of spiritual clothing. Now all references to clothing in scripture is a reference to identity. When Adam sinned, what did he do? He clothed himself. In the final days of the body of Christ on the earth, what is the instruction given in passages like Revelation 17, Revelation 19? What is the instruction? The bride has made herself ready with righteous acts. She has clothed herself These, with fine raiment, bright and clean. She was given to wear. 
So clothing is a metaphor for an identity. In uh, in Second Corinthians, when Paul is speaking of uh, clothing ourselves with the eternal, he says, meanwhile, we long to be clothed with our eternal dwelling. So the idea of putting on the armor of God, putting on the panoply of God, is to clothe yourself with an identity with the specific intent at that time of engaging the enemy. So the armor of God is not just a series of um, pieces of, of, of weaponry that we, we attach to our bodies. It is how we take on an identity that relates to and allows us to be enfranchised in the strength of the Lord, the power of the Lord, the might of the Lord. And these words are words like dunamis. Uh, the, the term for, for uh, uh, dunamis, is the, or the term for power is actually uh, dunamis. So he says, the, uh, the word for the Lord is the word kurios, K-U-R-I-O-S, which means the dominant one. Uh, the word for uh, power is the word kratos, K-R-A-T-O-S. It relates to the word creator. Uh, the word for might is the word iskos, iskus, and it means ability or strength. And we are to do that be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power, taking on the panoply of God, because we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, um, and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So he says, put on the whole armor of God, so that you will be able, and the word able, able, is the word dunamis. You'll be empowered to stand, that's the word histemi, H-E-S-T-E-M-I, against the wiles, and the word there is methodia, against the methods of the devil. So, so you are to be clothed in the panoply of God so that God, in the form of the Spirit of God in you, will stand up. The histemi of God will stand up against the methodology of the devil. Why? Because we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but we we do wrestle against principalities, we wrestle against powers, we wrestle against the rulers of the darkness of this world, and we wrestle against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, in conjunction with that, we are to take up the armor of God. Now, I want to disclose certain of these words again, um, where we're talking about, where the, where the apostle is speaking about we're not, us not wrestling against flesh and blood. 
the word for uh, principalities is the word ake, uh, and it refers to rule over domains. The word for power is the word exousia, which means that these there is a companion order to the order of the kingdom of God, a mimicry of the order of the kingdom of God. So it will not do for you to engage this mimicry of the kingdom of God in human power, in human identities, in human understanding. For example, uh, the, the, where it says, and we do not wrestle against uh, flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities. So that's the word arche. We wrestle against powers, that's the word exousia. We wrestle against the rulers of the darkness of this world. The rulers, the word for rulers there is the word cosmocrato, which means the god of this world. Uh, And the world it's speaking of is the age in which we live. And, and the systems of a cosmos that are deployed in the age in which we live. So the cosmocrator has created a series of systems that produce darkness to obfuscate, to confuse, to remove standards in the age in which we live. Now the, let's focus for a moment on the word darkness, word darkness, because we tend to have the idea that darkness is such a threatening thing. This darkness is something that men love because of the nature of darkness. The word for darkness is the word skotos, S-K-O-T-O-S, skotos. And it means obscurity, shadiness, darkness. In short, it's an unchallenged hypothesis. It's a thing that has not been brought into the light. The principal thing that the armor of God does is that in the identity that one has, when he's clothed in the dunamis of the Lord, or the power of the Lord, strength of the Lord, when he's clothed in an identity that links him inextricably to the person of Christ, as a member of the body of Christ, then what do you have? You have access to the light of the world you have access to the revelation of God. When God said in the beginning, let there be light, it was because the things that he wished to bring out of darkness needed to be brought into illumination. Darkness there was not sin. Darkness there was obscurity. The thing had not been illuminated. Every aspect 
of the armor of God resists the darkness and brings light. Shows the world how to live in the light in the midst of uh, a darkness that has come upon the minds of men. The darkness is not a physical darkness, it's a spiritual darkness. It's where in the neglect of what is true and because men and women choose not to retain God in their knowledge, the the secrets, the systems of the cosmocrator have become increasingly powerful. They're powerful only because men and women are sinking deeper and deeper into the darkness of deception. Have you noticed how it is virtually impossible to talk to people today about divine standards? How people seem to so thoroughly resist standards of society that reflect the plain and simple meaning of Scripture. Now I will say that one of the prime contributors to the abandonment of of these, these standards, one of the prime contributors is those groups of persons charged with modeling the standard. The scriptures say when the salt loses its savor, it is not good for anything except to be thrown out and trodden under the foot of men. For a very, very long time now, for decades, the the foremost church groups, groups that spoke of the Holy Spirit, uh, groups that spoke of... um, morality, um, some even called it the moral, uh, the, the moral, uh, the morality of the moral, of the majority of people. They have shown secretly, they practiced the same uh, debauched behavior as the people who were criticizing. And when caught, they would simply say, well, nobody's perfect. Well, yes, people will commit sin, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about advocating one standard publicly and privately, regularly indulging in in another standard, opposing the very things they were saying publicly. Now, did they think that God was mocked? Did they think that none of these things came to the attention of the living God? That's the folly of those who built empires by selecting certain doctrines that could be readily monetized. And they've done it. And when they ran out of clients they looked for a way of selling the residual 
the residual being their popularity to political parties. Because they no longer have a moral high ground and the schemes they've they've been living in uh, defy the very standards they've said were the true standards. The standards themselves may have been true, but the practitioners were so far from the standards that God was never going to be held hostage to filthy and worthless practitioners. So he has disclosed the vile nature of the practitioners. Now, because of that, the nation has turned against these practitioners and the results of their practice. Now before that, as I said in the prior broadcast, groups like the Roman Church um, impaled itself on its own practices. And now the world is weary, Uh, it's exhausted from trying to to find and make sense out of what was once presented as the standards of Christ. All that that means is that every pretense, everything that was not genuine is being overthrown by God himself. These things could never have sustained themselves anyway because at the core they were fraudulent, at the core. It's not that the standards were fraudulent, it's that the the practitioners were not authentic. Time will show that, time shows that. And their judgment is that they're being discarded. That does not mean that darkness is the, the, the alternative darkness is the only solution. That does not mean that there are no solutions. It just means it's time for that which is the authentic to arise. And the sound of it and the practice of it and the reality of it is going to be entirely different. Indeed, it is entirely different. Now, it has to endure the sufferings of rejection based upon those who came before and spoke a false message, or spoke a message out of hearts that were false. It has to endure that. And all of that too is part of the plan to cause a people to be strong enough and, con- and, and firm enough in their convictions to be unshakable. And when they are, and when the tests and the circumstances they've endured disclose them as being unmovable and steadfast and abounding in the work of the Lord, then God himself will stand up in the midst of them and stand them up in the person of Christ. When they do, when they are stood up in that corporate man, there's no other description more, that is more apt than that they are and will have become the light of the world. 
light judges darkness. Light doesn't have to go about trying to judge darkness. The nature of light is that it, 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 it cannot be consumed or forbidden by darkness. You go into a dark room, turn on a light, and the darkness cannot object to the illumination. It simply has to bow, has to give way. So, the schemes of the devil are the means by which he obscures and blinds the minds of humans to what is actually true. This, after all, you see, is not a conflict of personalities. So God doesn't just rush in and bring forth certain personalities to counteract the darkness. God himself comes in wearing human form. That is the body of Christ. And when he comes in, there is no darkness in creation (coughs) that could possibly resist him. Not the systems of the cosmos, not even the minds of men who have been conditioned to walk in darkness and to even profit from being in darkness. There is no way to resist the incarnation, the coming in human form of the living God himself. The body that he's preparing is a body that is being prepared to carry his presence, to carry his glory in the earth. He has always wanted to show his goodness, his kindness, his mercy, his compassion, his grace, his patience, his long-suffering. He's always wanted to do that. Because these are the elements of his love. That word describes his divine nature. The enemy came into creation having resisted God as a, cre- as a created being. It is here on the earth that God will confront his enemy and he'll confront his enemy wearing human form. Now his enemy is not benign. He has established the systems of the cosmos of which he is the cosmocrator that have power to entrap the minds of unwary humans through deception. This is where and this is why these schemes are described as darkness, the darkness of this world. Because they serve to dull the human mind to what is true and to redirect the focus of the human mind, of the human soul, away from the search for God to the search for survival. These systems are designed to be a one-to-one attraction to the human desire 
for provision and protection. So in the darkness of the human soul, there is an absolute correlation by way of desire and perceived need to the systems of the cosmos. When when Christ came into the world, he came to show us how to rely upon the Father so that when we would be received into him into his own body and received and presented as children of the Father, that we might then have the standard of his righteousness that he already embodied in the earth when he lived here and left for us in the record of scripture to be opened to us and to be and for us to be empowered to possess in the form of the coming of the person of the Holy Spirit who dwells within us to bring us into conformity with the standard who is Christ. When we are brought into conformity to the standard who is Christ, then God comes to dwell in the body of Christ and in each member of the body of Christ in the same fashion in which he dwelt in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And at that point, at that point, he raises up light in the darkness. And all that had been hidden, all that had been obscured, all that had been confused and obfuscated will be laid bare in the light of the revelation of the person of the Most High God, coming incarnate in the body of Christ. At that point, the darkness will flee. It's analogous to the scriptures that say every mountain will flee out of its place. And every, every, every low place will be filled up because the darkness will have been shown to be dark. Now, doesn't mean everybody's going to come to the light because some people love darkness because their deeds are evil and they don't intend to change. But whoever loves the truth will be drawn to the light. So, we're right now in that state in which darkness is becoming gross, so gross that you could not, the confusion of it makes it impossible for people, even intelligent people, to figure out or even to remember that there is a different standard. They're going to try to find a way to function in darkness. On the other side of this great divide is a people of stunning brilliance, who are clothed with the sun, who are clothed in the righteousness of God. The illumination that comes by the reflection of Christ in the earth will show everyone what the choices are. Those who still have a love for the truth will come to Christ lifted up in this fashion. And those who love darkness will dig themselves even further into the pit. That's what we're facing now in the world. The political stuff is just the way that this is all showing itself in a glaring fashion. So continue to walk in the light and you will not be part of the growing darkness. 
I'm Sam Solon. God bless you. I'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye.